Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, there's a little trickery. And the quarterback flips it in the flat to Jeremiah Hall, who scores. Oh, Lincoln Riley dialed something up. And the Sooners back in the end zone. It is almost game day. Oklahoma will host Tulane to start the 2021 college football season in a game that counts as a road match for the Sooners. So they'll be wearing the road whites in Norman, Oklahoma. It's 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 really not that confusing. And it's really not even worth delving into because the crux of the whole situation, Rich, is we get college football this weekend. We did get it last weekend as well. But this weekend specifically, it's Oklahoma football. How excited are you to get this season started? <laughs> What's funny, Matt, is that I, I knew you were going to go there with this type of a question right out of the gate. And it harkens back to last season when we were talking about these non-conference matchups and whether they were good football and whether I would be watching. Okay, listen, I thought about that conversation last night as I was watching the University of Alabama, Birmingham and Jacksonville State. My wife actually walks in and she says, who are these teams playing? And I was like, does it matter? It's college football. Clearly, it would have mattered to you. You didn't watch that game, did you? No, I I didn't watch anything last week, if we're being 100% No, I'm talking about open. last night. I'm talking about Oh, no, night. no, no. Yeah. Last night, I have zero plans to watch anything. Tonight, on Thursday, after we record this podcast, I will watch Saturday because there's a little bit of, uh, whether you want to call it an emotional investment with the Oklahoma Sooners and following them for quite some time at this point in my life, yes, I will be tuning in. On Saturday, yes, I'm thankful that football is here because it does signal that fall is almost here as well. And I know that a lot of us across the country are begging for cooler temperatures, even though I felt like we got that through a majority of the year. But the truth, Matt, is I want no business being in the stands this weekend. I'm all about watching it from the comfort of my home. You're an old man. <laughs> okay, so Oklahoma... Oklahoma releases the depth chart for this game against Tulane. And really there's a lot of oars. And so what I thought would be kind of fun to do is I, have you seen the depth chart, by the way? No, I okay. totally forgot that we had put that down. So it's not, it's not anything okay. that I've looked at. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're, hey, we're going to go through and I'm going to let you pick on the oars. Okay. I'm gonna let you, cause it'll, it'll say this, this person or that person. And you tell me, you make your prediction as to who you think will start at that position. For example, we know Spencer Rattler is going to be the starting quarterback. At running back, it says Eric Gray or Kennedy Brooks. So you tell me, who's it going to be? There's, I'll give you an answer, but I do think there's a legitimate possibility that both of these running backs are out on the field for the very first offensive snap. If I Fair had enough. to pick one, if I had to pick one to go with right now, it's going to be Eric Gray, and it's because of the versatility that he brings. And that's no 
no slight against a guy like Kennedy Brooks. We know what he's capable of. We've seen him on the ground. We've seen him eclipse the 1,000 yard mark on several occasions throughout his career with the Oklahoma Sooners. But Eric Gray is really going to be that X factor. I think he's in first. I think he's the guy they're looking to continue to develop some chemistry with a guy like Spencer Rattler when they want to use him, spread him out wide, put him in a slot, whatever that might look like. Things that we don't typically see in terms of roles Kennedy Brooks filling. So Eric gray because of that versatility i think has to be my my odds on favor to step out there number one okay uh let's go to the h-back position you've got uh according to the official depth chart you've got jeremiah hall or Braden willis or austin stogner who's going to be the h-back that goes out there on the field for the first play it, it is not going to be austin stogner for me i know we talk about the health of stogner we talk about the time that he's missed even though he hasn't been with this program for an exceptionally long time, he's missed a considerable amount of snaps on the field. So when I look at that, I, I think they're going to hold him back as much as possible and slowly work him in to the rotation. I, I like what Braden Willis brings to the table, but I think it's Jeremiah Hall. And what it really comes down to for me, Matt, is who is the best blocker of the three of those options and who is not dealing with health concerns. And that's Jeremiah Hall, hands down. Yeah, we're two for two. I agree with you there as well. Um, all right, we'll go through the receivers, and then we'll hit the fun part with the offensive line. Um, X receiver, Jaden Hazelwood. Now, this is an easy one. Jaden Hazelwood or Theo Weiss? <laughs> Given what transpired this week <laughs> with Theo Weiss, I mean, I have to give it to Hazelwood. Yeah. I think so Theo Weiss may have come on late last season, but. Again, no, all kidding aside, the injury will set him back. And I feel as though that's a re-injury of what happened to him in the summer. I know that he said he was 100% that he was looking for, that he was exciting, that he was, he was feeling the best that he had ever felt heading into the fall. Unfortunately, because of that injury, he will be forced to miss a few weeks. I, I don't know what that time frame is. I don't know that anybody outside of the, the program has that knowledge. So, of course, that one goes to Jaden Hazelwood. And and that's that's a position to be excited about nonetheless. Right. Yeah, and I think we'll learn more about Theo Weiss on Saturday. But, um, yeah, just you, you hate to see that. Well, and we'll mm -hmm. talk more about him here in a little bit. Uh, wide receiver, you've got Marvin and Mims or Drake Stoops? M Marvin Mims, hands yeah, down. I, given this, the season. I, don't even, I don't even understand why there's an or here. I mean, I understand. I, I love Drake Stoops. I mean, he's he's a clutch guy. You go back to that Texas game, uh, just in the, the, the most – obvious example of, of how clutch he is, but really Marvin Mims or Drake Stoops, mm -hmm. I, that's, that's not even an option for me. <laughs> I do love the depth here though. Uh, and it's a unique situation that an or is being applied because I think it speaks volumes of the progression that a guy like Drake Stoops, who was, you remember the beginning of his career, he's a walk-on player, right? The name well, he's a walk-on because of his dad. I mean, he doesn't need, right. to, he doesn't need a scholarship. Right. But I'm saying he's a walk-on he has to work. He has to earn. I, I wouldn't say that he's the most talented receiver in the room, but because of this consistent drive, more specifically the drive to get better and to live up to the reputation of your last name, Drake Stoops has a lot going for him, and it's because of his own ride. It's not because of the name on the back mm -hmm. of his jersey. No, I agree. Um, okay, so here we go. The Z receiver. This was kind of fun for me. Michael Woods or Mario Williams. Mm, that man, that's a, I could yeah. flip a coin and put some, put either name out onto the field with that first snap offensively. 
I think honestly though, Matt, because of the experience right. of Mike Woods and the fact that he's transferring in, he wants to play immediately. He's looking to build his resume. He's looking to bolster his name in an attempt to make an NFL bid. And I don't think he's going to let a true freshman beat him out of a spot, especially on, on opening day. Yeah, I, I agree across the board here. So let's jump into the offensive line because this is really the meat of this where you, you're you're looking at replacing some guys, but so far it appears as if, and we're going to come back to this subject again, but it appears if Bill Biedenboe hasn't quite made all of his decisions at the tackle spots and at the center position. Let's start with the tackles where he, on left tackle, he's got Eric Swenson or Anton Harrison. That, that one's really difficult for me because, number one, we were surprised last year when Anton Harrison inserted his name as one of the starting five mm-hmm. of this offensive line, despite his lack of experience, you look at the size, you look at the tools, you look at the strength that he has coming in as a freshman. And all of a sudden people were saying, could he be better than a guy like Orlando Brown, who by the way, is a pretty, pretty good player. Right. And obviously in the NFL, using some different techniques outside of just strength to make a name for himself. And Anton Harrison was being put up against him as one of the most more recent dominant offensive linemen. So I did like him. I I liked that. This is going to be that next step forward, a second year in not just this system, but as a contributor in this system. And so when we looked at Anton Harrison, I think it's very easy for me to slot him there over Eric Swenson. And it's largely because Matt, we've seen as the season progresses, Eric Swenson become a little bit more of a liability than some of the other names that are available at that position. While Eric Swenson, I think, is a stopgap for you, Anton Harrison's the future, and it's hard not to invest in that. Yeah, Eric Swenson has the size, 6'6", 328, and so he's a bigger body than Anton Harrison, but you're absolutely right. The future of this position, I believe, is Anton Harrison, and I think, honestly, I would expect to see him get that start but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Swinson, but I really would expect to see Anton Harrison. You go over to the right tackle position and it's uh, Tyrese Robinson trying to hold his position over Wanya Morris. So Tyrese Robinson or Wanya Morris at the right tackle. Again, this is a coin flip situation for me. You hear about the accolades coming out of high school of a player like a Wanya Morris, but the experience of Robinson is it's something that has to be considered. It's something mm-hmm. when we begin to list the pros and the cons, it's something that falls in that pros category for Robinson. I, I think Robinson takes it in the first game, but unfortunately I think he's overtaken before we start conference play. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, I just, I, I like Tyrese Robinson. I, I know there were some issues at the beginning of last season, him kind of not being fully in shape or Marquise Hayes, if we're going to be honest with you on that. But I think that was a, a building moment for him. Um, I think he, he locks down this position and um, I think he's, he keeps it all season long. Here's, this was the shocker for me, Rich at the center position, you've got Arizona transfer, Robert Congle or Andrew Rame. So it, apparently it's down between those two guys. Chris Murray was in the running there. Ian McIver was in the running there. But it, it looks like Beatonbow has settled between these two guys, Robert Congo or Andrew Rame. You got a senior against a sophomore. Give me your thoughts here. Are you sure that that position hasn't been shored up at this point? I'm looking at the official depth chart that's been released by the university, and I see a big fat in bold or. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just I saying. know during the, the press conference, if we're looking, I, I was expecting that press conference to come on a Monday. That wasn't necessarily what happened. And instead it, it came on a Tuesday. So Chris Murray is going to be in one of the guard spots, right? For some reason, I thought that they had settled on the center, but you're, you're right. Uh, Tyrese Robinson, by the way, it looks like uh, is one of the three names that was mentioned as a starter. So let's go ahead and just slot him in and I'll concede my argument <laughs> on that one. When it comes to the center, Matt, I, I really don't know. Um, give me the names again. You said Congle and who? Andrew Rain. Rain. Andrew Rain. Yeah. Man, um, I just don't know a lot about Congle. I know that he has the experience, but when you look at what we said with Anton Harrison, is the future of the position to me is Andrew Rain. And it's hard not to buy into that argument. It's hard not to go ahead and slot him as a heavy, heavy contributor, if not the starter at that position. I'm not going to go as far as what I did with Eric Swinson and say that Congle is a, a stopgap because I don't believe that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, for now, it's all about the exchange from center to the quarterback. And I don't know who, <laughs> who has the edge in that category. So this is just a stab in the dark for me. I'm going to go with Congle. Yeah, I'm with you on Congle. And you look at it, he's a redshirt senior. He can play all three interior positions on the line, but he's got that just kind of that swagger, that nastiness that 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 position needs. You know, you look at Creed Humphrey, a quiet leader, but he was nasty at the snap. He was nasty through their whistle. And I'm not saying Andrew Rame isn't that, but you're looking at two guys, similar size. They're both 6'4". Robert Congo's got about 10 to 12 pounds on Andrew Rame. I, I think this is legit. I mean, I, I could be wrong. It could be Andrew Rame. I think, I think Bill Beanbow has the luxury of two really good options at this position, but you just in general, the two positions that you don't want to rotate at on the offensive side of the football is you don't want to rotate at quarterback and you don't really want to rotate at center. You want those two positions locked in. And so if this still is a contest that's going to go into the season. I wouldn't expect it to go much further than, than game two. And by the time Nebraska comes to Norman, they'll have this position set, but I'm, I'm going with Robert Congle for right now to take that first snap Marquise Hayes at the left guard and Chris Murray are at the right guard. Those are your locked in starting guards. You, you flip over to the defensive side of the ball and, you know, Jalen Redmond making a push a defensive tackle. They've got Josh Ellison or Jalen Redmond. I'm going to go ahead and lead out here on this side and tell you, I think it's going to be Jalen Redmond uh, just because they're going to need to get after the quarterback here. Um, and Jalen Redmond, to me, is that guy that that really has the motor to kind of dial it in to, to put pressure on the quarterback, where Josh Ellison is more of a guy that you, you use really when you want to stop the run. Um, so to me, I'm, I'm, I'm saying defensive tackle, I think is, is going to be Jalen Redmond. Again, I could totally be wrong on this and that's okay. I'm not going to disagree with you. Jalen Redmond was a guy that there was a lot of excitement about even before he sat out the 2020 season, reinserting his name into the equation here in 2021. We said that he could very easily, easily be the best pass rusher on this roster. And that's, on the defensive line, excuse me, because I know there's a guy like Nick Benito who mm -hmm. on this roster is listed as a linebacker, but on the, the other side of the equation, you had a guy like Isaiah Thomas. I don't know 
what's going to play out with Isaiah Thomas. I originally wrote in an article that I didn't expect him to play on Saturday, but as I started rethinking that conversation, Isaiah Thomas was one of the individuals who represented the Oklahoma Sooners at Big 12 media days. Sure, he had these off-the-field issues that no decision, at least no public decision, has been made about. No consequences have come from that decision at this point in time, and so I thought that would be a hindrance towards him, but with Isaiah Thomas potentially playing on Saturday, I think it opens up a lot of pathways for a guy like Jalen Redmond as these offenses and offensive lines key in on Nick Benito, key in on Isaiah Thomas, and try to stop that bull rush from the middle, whether that's a, a Josh Ellison or a Perrion Winfrey. Yeah, um, I, I agree. You go to the middle linebacker position, and you got David Aguebu or Deshaun White. And this is really interesting to me for Aguebu, 6'4", 248, uh, to be in the middle, you know, Deshaun White seems to be more of a middle linebacker type guy. He, he wanted to be like the bowling ball frame and, and, you know, Deshaun White's six foot, even 225. So he's just a little bit smaller than, um, than David Guaybu. But really when you're talking about three inches and 20 plus pounds, I, I don't know. To me, Guaybu is more of an outside guy that I always thought of, but They've got him here listed, Mike linebacker with Deshaun White. I think it's going to be David Uwebu, even though I would lean towards Deshaun White. Well, and Deshaun White's going to be listed at, at two different positions here on that depth chart map that I'm assuming you're using, updated on September 1st. And when we begin to look at the, the argument that you're making, I've got no qualms about it. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I want to know, and I'm going to throw this question at you. What I want to know is, when we look at Deshaun White and the expectations that were placed on his shoulders last year, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. He just wasn't the star of this linebacking crew that many people had expected him to be. So does that, not necessarily reputation, but does that lack of quote-unquote star power from last season really hold him back and allow some of these other guys who had better performances begin to slot their names ahead of him early on in the season? I don't think so. I think Igwebu proved throughout as the season progressed, his athleticism is something that's just well, unheralded. Um, you know, but you know, th- when you look at these linebackers, the the star that stands out immediately is Nick Benito, and everyone else mm-hmm. is playing in Nick Benito's shadow. But right. if there if there's a guy that's going, in my opinion, if there's a guy who's going to rival what Nick Benito brings to the table here as far as athleticism and playmaking ability, in my opinion, that guy is David Igwebu, which I I think. Again, I, you know, I'm not Brian Odom, so I don't get paid a lot of money to make these decisions. The, that's why I would have Igwebu on the outside as a you know weak side as opposed to right there in the middle. But you're right. They've got Deshaun White as the or guy for the Mike linebacker middle. And they've got him with Brian Osamoa as the or guy at will. And right. Another just, guy who had a, quite a year for himself. Yeah. Quite, quite a name. I would just, to me, middle linebacker, to me, Deshaun White just seems like a fit for middle linebacker. But yeah, I agree. Uh, but anyway, so because of that, I'm going to go with Brian Osamoa at the wheel over Deshaun White. And then I just kind of wonder where does Deshaun White fit? Is he just jump in the rotation uh, throughout the game? I, Deshaun White's going to play and he's going to play a significant number of snaps. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't start doesn't mean you don't play. Right. But where does he fit now? And that's kind of where I'm trying to wrap my brain around. Yep. So you move to the cornerback position. Uh, you've got DJ Graham or Jaden Davis. You know me. I've been high on Jaden Davis for a long time since his freshman season. 
But here's what DJ Graham has going for him. He's younger. He's only a sophomore, but he's got that size that Alex Grinch likes. He's six foot. He's 193. It's no secret. Alex Grinch prefers taller guys defending the passers in this league. And Tulane, we'll, we'll get into the X's and O's here in a little bit, but Tulane, the, the strength of their, of their offense is the passing game. And so I think DJ Graham's going to get the start here over Jaden Davis. And I would completely agree with you for the same reason. I think the only thing that's holding Jaden Davis back from taking that top slot in this or equation is his height, because we've seen the skill. We've seen the ability to be a, a, a lockdown cover uh-huh. type player out there on an Island by himself. But more importantly, Matt, what we've seen from Jaden Davis is textbook tackling. And if DJ Graham at any point during this game, does not put forth textbook tackling, right. you have an easy option to put Jaden Davis in his spot. That's a, that's a good point. And again, I, just because DJ Graham's going to start, in my opinion, doesn't mean you won't see Jaden Davis on the field. Okay, here's mm-hmm. the final one, nickelback position. We've heard a lot of good things about both of these guys. Both of them are young, but you've got Billy Bowman or Jeremiah Cradell. <laughs> I... <laughs> Are, are you asking me to go first on this one? I, I don't. I'm curious. I, I think it's going to be Jeremiah Cradell. I mean, that's just me. I um, think it's going to be Jeremiah Cradell as well. But Yeah, they're my both reasoning... similar in size. There's, there's not like a, a serious height mm-hmm. advantage here. You're talking about one inch. But right. Jeremiah Cradell's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he's been on campus for three seasons. And that's three, you know, that's, that's three seasons with Alex Grinch. So Billy Bowman, I think for all of the world of his athleticism, I, I think you're going to see Jeremiah Cradell here. I, like I said, I completely agree. My reasoning, as I've mentioned, is going to be vastly different than what you've put forth. And you're it really Billy Bowman's going to play running back. I'm not saying that he oh, will, oh, okay. but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he's not an option right. either. I, I get that you're going to have these individuals who are listed at running back. But when I look at Eric Gray and I look at Kennedy Brooks, and then I see, Todd Hudson, Jaden Knowles behind him. These are guys who are 5'7", 180. Mm-hmm. Guess what Billy Bowman has on that size? Right. He also has this, from his high school days, a little bit of knowledge of how that position is run. So while I don't think that's his future, I'm not going to say, and I'm not willing to jump on board with the idea that he's not at least in, being considered as an option mm-hmm. at running back if, if depth is a concern there. Yeah, Which I, really, it is. I really think you have to have an injury. And, and again, we're, That's we're, what jump, I'm saying. we're jumping exactly. ahead with what we're going to talk about in the podcast. But I do think you have to have an injury for that scenario to really represent itself. Let's go over the, the defensive thing, I, the defensive part of the depth chart, because I, I skipped over the, the, the positions that are set in stone. Your defensive end, you got Isaiah Thomas. Should he serve some sort of suspension, whether it's a series or a quarter or the first game? Reggie Grimes is going to be your guy there at number two on the defensive end. Nose guard, we all know it's Perry on Winfrey. We talked about defensive tackle, Josh Ellison or Jalen Redman. Middle linebacker, David Aguebu or Deshaun White. The wheel linebacker, Brian Osamoa or Deshaun White. Rush linebacker, it has to be Nick Bonito, and that's what it is. Uh, one side of the quarterback, you've got DJ Graham or Jaden Davis. You're starting... Uh, strong safety is Delarian Turner yell. And then you got key Lawrence backing him up. Uh, and then Jordan Mukes, that, that's your one, two, three free safety. You got Pat fields. You and I have talked about Pat fields in previous podcasts here. Um, and then Woody Washington is the other corner. And then Billy Bowman or Jeremiah Cradell uh, at the nickelback position, your, your kickoff returners, um, 
is going to be Billy Bowman and Mario Williams. Punt returner looks like Marvin Mims. They also have Drake Stoops there as the number two on that part of the depth chart. So there it is. Any final thoughts you got on, um, on this depth chart? Yeah, I wanted to throw out uh, one final question because you did jump into special teams. You jumped into who these kickers were. And when we look at the, the punter, were you a, a little bit surprised at the name that was listed there that it wasn't Reeves Munchau? Well, no, not really. Just, just because you don't, um, I, I mean, no, I, because you don't bring in a senior, a red shirt senior, unless you're really looking, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. my, Michael Turk knew coming to Norman that he had a chance. Right. So the minute you see a, a red shirt senior transfer into a program, knowing he's only got one more year, th- that lets you know that he has been told it is an open competition. Cause you, you don't, you don't transfer into a program where you've got another red shirt senior as a punter and say, yeah, we just need a backup guy. Now, if you're a sophomore or a junior, yeah, for sure. Then you have a chance to play the next year. But if you're, if this is your final chance to play college football, you don't transfer into a program where there's not an open competition. So now I wasn't surprised at that at all, but thanks for bringing that up because I totally uh, <laughs> overlooked it. I, I, I had hey. it in my notes, but I didn't, I didn't, I overlooked hey, that part what? of my notes. Last thing I'm going to throw out there at you then, because you and I had previously had a conversation um, just through through a cell phone about Spencer Jones. I listed mm-hmm. him as questionable on the um, injury update that was published earlier this week at heartland-sports.com. Um, knowing that is an eye issue, he's listed as the holder. Right. Do you think that could create some problems or is this just a, Hey, he's our, our number one. He's our go-to guy. But in reality, we're going to use Michael Turk on Saturday. No, yeah. Well, my, my understanding with this is that the eye issue is not anything with visual. It's, it's about bone structure from that fight mm-hmm. he had back in the spring. So as long as he can see, I mean, the holder has the easiest job as far as till interact- they miss the football. Well, and I'm saying, <laughs> As far as interacting with the other guys, I mean, the, it, it, when you think about blocked kicks, it's always the kicker who gets hit in that, right? Anytime there's a blocked mm-hmm. kick, no one ever hits the holder because he's not even thought of. You go after the ball and then you go after the kicker and the holder is just there. So I don't, if he gets cleared, I, I think he's, he's going to be a good choice. And there's really not a lot of risk of him having contact. And, and as long as it's not a visual issue, which my understanding is not, it's the orbital bone not affecting vision. I, I don't see a problem with this. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So let's go back here because we, I kind of teased you about Theo Weiss and let's talk about this injury. Let's talk about the significance of it because I, I wrote about this uh, when it came out on, on Wednesday, that if there is a position that Oklahoma can afford to have an injury, be it one game, three games, or the entire season, Receiver is one of the positions that you can really afford to sacrifice a body here, so to speak. And I don't, I, I, I hope he gets better. And I certainly don't want to downplay the significance that Theo Weiss could have in this offense, but we just went through these receivers and, and we talked about the guys that are available and we didn't even bring up guys like Cody Jackson, who's, who's really had a strong camp. Um, I just, I, I hate it for Theo Weiss. Okay. I don't, again, not downplaying, not downplaying, the significance and the impact he could have. But if, if I'm a guy like Michael Woods, I'm thinking, Hey, this is absolutely more opportunity for me. Mario Williams, absolutely more opportunity for me as a freshman to get out there and shine this. I just don't see it impacting. I don't think Lincoln Riley scrapped anything off of his playbook because he's missing Theo Weiss is what I'm saying. 
No, and I would wholeheartedly agree with that that sentiment that if you could afford an injury in the preseason, if you could afford an injury leading up to game week, receiver is one of the deepest positions on this roster. Right. And it seems as though Oklahoma consistent, consistently reloads at that position. Matt, we're not even talking about just this recruiting class that came in. We're talking about futures as well. And so when I look at what Oklahoma has done, they've set themselves up pretty well and they've done a really good job of enticing other players via the transfer portal to want to play at the University of Oklahoma specifically at the receiver position. Why? It's because of the offense that they run. It's very enticing and it's very easy to see yourself having a role regardless of if you're quarterback, running back or at the receiver. So any of the skill position um positions that are available on this roster, if it comes open, you feel like you can jump in there and immediately begin to make a name for yourself if you weren't able to do that elsewhere. I think when you look at a guy like Mike Woods, you're absolutely right because of what Oklahoma needs in the moment is a an individual who can get behind the defense. And while Theo Weiss was lined up out wide as that, that tall, taller receiver, Jaden Hazelwood's going to assume that role yeah. this year. Charleston Rambo is gone, and I felt as though that's where Mike Woods really cemented himself in this equation as to is Oklahoma even going to consider him. So when Charleston Rambo leaves, it's an automatic yes, regardless of who you are because of the talent that is there. So once again, Matt, we've seen it through recruiting. We see it on the roster. We see some of these younger names. And I know that you've mentioned um, Cody Jackson, but Mario Williams is available as well. And as far as I yeah. can tell, he's he's set to have himself a Marvin Mims type season as a freshman. Yeah. Mario Williams is going of the three freshmen. You got Cody Jackson, Jalil Farouk, Mario Williams. Mario Williams is the guy that I think will see the most minutes are the most snaps. You don't, you know, don't really do minutes in football, but he'll see the most time on the field on, on Saturday morning. And then throughout the season, I, I don't know that he's going to have the, exact same impact that Marvin Mims had last season, but I do think he'll have a, a phenomenal freshman campaign. Um, and although again, of those three youngsters, they're all three talented. They're all three got bright futures in my opinion, but definitely it's Mario Williams is, is the freshman receiver that you, you want to look at when you, when you, it comes to the team as a whole though, Rich, when, when this team takes the field 11 o'clock Saturday morning, just terrible situation in new Orleans with the hurricane and, moving this game and by the way kudos to both uh, administrations for making this happen you know because this this game could have just as easily been canceled but you see a lot of the um the character of of the oklahoma athletic administration to be able to say you know what we'll host the game we'll make it a home game for you guys in as much as we'll not only wear our road whites for the game but we're also going to give you the gate the proceeds and everything as it would as if this game was in new orleans and that's a lot of people overlook how big of a deal that is because Tulane is getting the gate, but Oklahoma is absorbing all the costs and all the expenses for mm -hmm. this. And so that's, uh, that, that should not be under undersold on what the university is doing to help Tulane out with this. But all that said, when it comes down to this team, taking the field 11 o'clock Saturday morning, what are you most curious to find out about this 2021 Oklahoma football team on Saturday? This shouldn't be a big surprise for anyone who's following the program this season. There's actually two things, and they fall under the same category for me. But the biggest concern that I have at the moment 
And the way that things are going to shake out is going to be depth as well as that starting five along the offensive line. Matt, I know that we've gone into detail here previously speaking about those. So I won't dive in once again, but when I look at the offensive line, they're going to dictate how successful this offense can be. And what we know is that while Spencer Rattler can absorb a lot of the shortcomings of an offensive line, he can't absorb all of them more specifically when we see the talent that's in the backfield uh-huh. at the running back position, whether that's Eric Gray or Kennedy Brooks, they're going to find themselves in a very similar position in making this offensive line look good and absorb some of these growing pains that we'll see here in the non-conference portion of the schedule. But once we hit some of these tougher teams, Texas is looming. And I know that sure there's a number, a ranking next to the name. We'll find out just how good they are as they're playing a ranked opponent This weekend, there's other teams, Iowa State being the biggest name of those that will challenge this offensive line and really push them potentially to a breaking point. So how will they gel together? How will they mesh after losing a leader like Creed Humphrey? What's the depth like there? And will they be able to manage some of these shortcomings that might exist that we just have no ideas about until they take the field on Saturday? Yeah, for me, it's running back. Just be, I mean, you, you mentioned it, but just the depth there. You know, it's Eric Gray. You know, it's Kennedy Brooks. But really, what is behind him? I want to get a good look at uh, Jaden Knowles. You know, I want to see how I, we saw him in the spring game and, and he looked crisp. He looked good. But what is it going to take to get, you know, what, what does Jaden Knowles have to do? What does Todd, Todd Hudson have to do to make people stop thinking, well, Billy Bowman could switch back over there and play running back if they needed him to. That's, that's what I want to know. And, and again, running back position to me is not an issue unless there's an injury. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden it becomes an oh crap moment. And, and I'm, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's, that's my biggest curiosity when it comes to Saturday is I want to see that position. I want to see how good it is with Eric Gray being a transfer and Kennedy Brooks being off for a year. But I really want to see how deep it is because I do think we're going to either see Todd Hudson and Jaden Knowles or Todd Hudson or Jaden Knowles. I think they'll go three deep with the running backs on Saturday. And I'm really curious about that. We've got true or false coming up. I get to ask the questions to Rich and they're all pretty much. They're all pretty much having to do with this game against Tulane on Saturday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Rich, uh, I got five questions. They're pretty easy for you. Nothing. There's nothing to worry about this week. They're all opinionated questions. Um, and so you don't have to do any research. You don't have to pull up any stats by, you know, by by just blinking your eyes and trying to figure it out. I'm not going to ask you who the greatest 
uh, basketball recruit ever was in Kansas basketball history or anything like that, <laughs> all having to do with Oklahoma Tulane on Saturday. So are you ready? <laughs> I mean, you set me up for success here. Yeah, so yeah, you can't, you can't, you'll have to be a star. I mean, th- you have no choice here. Um, this would be the easiest true or false I think I've ever given to you. And and the first question is going to prove that. Uh, true or false, the depth chart proves that things are unsettled on the offensive line but they have to be settled after week two. That's a two-part question. And to answer the no, first I, I part think, of I it, think the first, the first part's a given. I mean, when you get that, when okay, you got three, okay. three positions that are there, so-and-so or so-and-so, it proves it's unsettled. But the, the, the point of the question is they have to get this done before Nebraska comes to town. I am going to say false. Really? On that one. I know that that is going to surprise you, but the truth of the matter for me is that I don't have a lot of trust in what Nebraska is bringing to campus. Not a lot of trust in how they're going to challenge this offensive line. Sure, I get that they belong to one of the, or they're a member of a power five conference, but at the end of the day, there will be a talent discrepancy. And Oklahoma under Bill Biedenboe has had quite, quite a few talented individuals along this offensive line. And it doesn't matter, at least we haven't really seen it, but it doesn't matter what name is stepping into that position. This offense hasn't struggled. Where we've seen them struggle is when they haven't had an experienced running back running through the gaps or exercising a little bit of patience. And yes, we put that on the offensive line, but in hindsight, Let's just take last season, for example, because as soon as we saw Ramondre Stevenson take the first snap of the season for himself, it was like it was a brand new offensive line. There was immediate trust with those two groups that led to a lot of success. Oklahoma going undefeated for the remainder of the season with Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield. Needless to say, I do think there are questions. I'm not arguing that point, but I don't think they need to be sorted. They don't, the riddle doesn't need to be solved until we start conference play. Yeah. And I'm going to hold that mindset until we get there. Yeah. I somehow I hit a button and made myself go away on the, on the video. So I'm still here. Just, just bear with me. Um, So uh, here's where I'm going to disagree with you on that because everything you said absolutely makes sense. But what I'm, what I'm going to disagree with you on is that, Hey, I'm back. Um, what I'm going to disagree with you on is that I think, um, Oh, you could see me. I, I disappeared on my, on my screen. Sorry. People listening on iTunes or whatever, Apple podcast, uh, by the way, Sooner nation podcast now available on Amazon. Um, you have no idea what we're talking about with the video, but here's where I'm going to do disagree with you. Everything you said, absolutely correct. But West Virginia is the week after Nebraska. You start that gauntlet of Big 12 conference play. I mean, everybody agrees across the board. Oklahoma should go into conference play undefeated, 3-0. and But then it gets real when, when you start going through that gauntlet as the six-time defending back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back champion. you got the biggest target on your back in this conference. You're going to get everybody's best. I think it has to be settled before the Nebraska game just so – they have that flow going into, you know, that you have the Nebraska game with that starting five, and then you've got that under your belt before you start conference play. So that's, that's my reasoning there, but you do bring up good points. And, and I really, I'm not going to disagree with the way you said it. I'm just going to disagree with what you said. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Um, 
True or false number two? Spencer Rattler will eclipse 300 passing yards against Tulane on Saturday. That's a big question. I, I, I know here's the thing, Matt, is I know that it's possible. I just don't know how, how far into the game Spencer Rattler will be available. And it's not because of injury. It's uh-huh. because of what no. exists behind him and what we know. I'm going to go with false on this one. Wow. What we okay. know, no, I'm going to go with true. Oh, we're flip-flapping. Yeah, we, we are. And it's because of the big playability. I see okay. Spencer Rattler and I see these receivers and I see big play ability. I see the running backs and I see the ability to break tackles, especially once they get into the second level and running and just gobbling up yards left and right. Originally, I'm saying no, because again, I think Oklahoma utilizes what's behind him on the depth chart behind Spencer Rattler. That is, and that we see at least two quarterbacks, but more than likely three. I would be surprised if four step out there, but I easily think you have Spencer Rattler taking the start. I think Caleb Williams makes an appearance and I'm blanking on the third. The third name is it Bowen Bowens Bowen. Mike, I'm yes. Um, is going to step out there as well. We're going, yeah. I mean, you got Ralph Rucker, who's won that third spot. So those, those are your three that I think are going to come out. On, okay. If they, if and, they, and now, I will say this. I'm, I know I'm interrupting you, but I will, and we'll good. get to, we'll get to predictions and all that stuff here at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think this game is going to be a little bit tighter than what most people are expecting. So I'm just going to throw that out there and let you know. I don't know that Oklahoma plays three quarterbacks on Saturday. So go ahead. Well, that's your take. Just not not mine in this moment. And like I said, I I can see Western Carolina. Yes. Western Carolina. I I think, sorry, I just, I'm jumping back in there again and I apologize, but I need to tell you this. I think a lot of people are approaching this two lane game as if it is Western Carolina and it's not should Oklahoma win. Absolutely. They should win. Should they win comfortably? Yes. But this will they win by 31? Well, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but this (laughs) will be, in my opinion, this will be a football game almost up until halftime, maybe until halftime. And then Oklahoma distances themselves in the second half. I don't know that you get to three quarterbacks. I really don't. Sorry. And I I promise you, I won't interrupt you now. You finish. I do. We're just going to agree to disagree because I am going to take the opposite side of this argument from you and say that there is the chance and a high probability that we do see three, three quarterbacks. I feel as though Spencer Rattler plays the first two quarters and maybe the first series of the third quarter, he may play three series in the third quarter, but I think at some point during the third quarter, there's a substitution that he comes off. He gets the ovation. Um, and largely, Matt, the reason I'm disagreeing with the national narrative between Oklahoma and Tulane is because there's a lot of distractions for Tulane. There's a lot going on that's behind fair. the scenes. Yeah, and that's, and that's, you've that's already reasonable. mentioned you've already mentioned the hurricane, Hurricane Ida making landfall, the game being relocated. This was supposed to be the home opener. Now it's not. Family and friends that were originally going to be at the game for these players may not be able to make it. Those players may not even know if those family members and friends have the ability to watch it on TV. Like I said, there's just a lot in the background that can serve as a distraction. I hope that's not the case. And I hope that people treat Tulane as if this were a home game and not be like some of the other fan bases that I've encountered on a personal level. Needless to say, 
I think three quarterbacks are going to play. I think Spencer Rattler still throws for 300 to answer your question. True. Sweet. I, yeah. I mean, I, I see exactly what you're saying again. Well, we'll this will be something fun to talk about on Sunday night in, in the post game. So let's move on to number three of them. Uh, a week ago today, it was announced that Trey Bradford has left the team. He jumped into the portal, landed in Norman, jumped back in the portal, landed back in Baton Rouge. Um, it's just, he's a young kid in love. Let's just leave it at that, okay? But here it is. True or false, the loss of, of Trey Bradford is a cause for concern, but not a cause for panic. I do agree with that statement. When we talk about what's available for Oklahoma it, it has me leaning heavily towards a true um, because Oklahoma is pretty set at the running back position, barring an injury. It was very unlikely for me that any player would step in ahead of an Eric Gray, ahead of a Kennedy Brooks, unless it was what has affectionately been labeled as garbage time. And I get that those are valuable minutes for experience, but you want to, you want those minutes to be invested in a player who's going to stay with the program. Who's not going to look to transfer the bigger, if you had thrown in this idea, instead of it just being about Trey Bradford, if it was the recruiting and what's happened in recruiting, I I would have answered it differently. But for me, it is a true knowing what the, the two names that will be on the field, knowing what they're capable of and how they, as I've already mentioned, can absorb a lot of the shortcomings of some of these other positions on the offensive side of the ball and make this team look good and carry them to victory beyond the shadow of a doubt. My, my answer will hold this true. Okay. I agree with you on that. Um, number four, uh, almost, almost to the end and you're doing great by the way, stellar, stellar performance here, rich uh, number four, here we go. There will be some frustrating moments with this Oklahoma defense on Saturday afternoon, true or false. Absolutely true. For me, when we look at, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but when we look at Tulane, I think their MO, Matt, for the past several years under Willie Fritz has been the, the rushing game. Mm-hmm. They've led the AAC in rushing last year. I think that changes this year, and we're going to see them start throwing the ball a little more consistently. Why? It's because of the fact that their top six receivers are returning to the program. Sure, they have basically one experienced quarterback on the roster who's going to be slinging this ball, but they're going to test some of these younger cornerbacks and they're going to ask them to come up on a consistent basis. And we all know my little soapbox that I like to get on about consistency. Oklahoma is going to have to put up in those moments or shut up and let Tulane score some points. And I don't think Tulane is going to go scoreless in this game by, by any, any imagination. But when we look at the inexperience, when we look at some of these oars that are listed there, there's a lot of things to consider. And I do think once again, that there will be the frustrating moments. I think it will lead to substitutions. I think it will lead to the substitute being pulled back for the starter. We're, we're going to see some things transpire on this defense, but all of it for me centers in the secondary. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Secondary. And, bef- and, and to be honest with you, before last week's announcement about Trey Bradford, I, would have answered the question. What am I most curious to see with the secondary? I, that, that would have been my answer. I, I, I want to see this, this, these cornerbacks. I want to, I want to see them tested and the nickelback position. I want to see how Buki gets replaced there and what, what you have there in leadership. That would have been my answer, but then Trey Bradford goes back to, uh, to Baton Rouge and that just changes everything on that. So yeah, I agree with you. Uh, here we go. Last, but certainly not least on the true or false questions. 
The starting Friday night, the Big 12 will play 10 games over the weekend. True or false, the conference will be at 500 or lower in number of wins, uh, in terms of, of wins and winning records. Sorry. True or false, the Big 12 will be at 500 or lower in terms of winning record this weekend in football. I'm going to go ahead and go with false on okay. that one. I haven't looked at the lineup of games. Rich, just we're yet. supposed to go through the Big 12 rundown on the podcast. I know, I know. I haven't let, – let me re- reformulate that sentence. I haven't considered strong opinions about whether the games will go in, in specific directions. Gotcha. But when I look at what's – Oklahoma State, I think they'll get a win. Oklahoma, I think they get a win. Texas is it's going to be a coin toss for a lot of people, but I think they get the win. I can see Kansas State – getting a win so basically we need two more wins right tcu for me is a team that could get a win which is five i just need one more all right yeah, one you gotta, more you gotta go six to and keep four. us right to keep us above that that 500 so matt i again i think i think the big 12 does complete the task that you've set before them and remains above 500 after opening weekend there are some easy losses though aka kansas We'll get into that here in just a little bit. All right. Uh, well, coming up, we got to talk about uh, Oklahoma's offense uh, game plan against the two lane defense and vice versa. Uh, Oklahoma's defense attacking the two lane offense. We also got the Big 12 rundown. We just kind of preview that for you. And then we will give you our two lane Oklahoma score predictions. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Rich, when you talk about uh, this this matchup between the, the Sooners and the Green Wave on Saturday in Norman, uh, the two offenses seem to be the, the spotlight here. Oklahoma's offense, if, if you're Lincoln Riley, tell me how you're going to attack this two-lane defense. Where do you go? Matt, this one may sound a little bit crass on my part, but I think Oklahoma can do whatever they want to against Tulane here. Um, and again, I, I know that that sounds bad in the moment but when we look at the offensive firepower that Oklahoma has it seems as though they're loaded basically at at every single position we're looking at a two-lane defense that gave up approximately 420 yards per Mm -hmm. game last season where they really struggled was getting behind the line so what it tells me is that Spencer Rattler is going to have a lot of opportunity and a lot of time to throw downfield when he decides to do so in the running game, if you're not getting in the backfield, it means you're not making very many tackles for loss. So once again, I think you're going to to have some success and at least gaining positive yardage on the ground. Do I expect that all the time? No, but Tulane, my opinion here, is going to attempt to use the linebackers to get into the backfield, which could mean that these Oklahoma running backs go for long yardage when they get through that initial that that the, the trenches the initial burst as they push through there's not a lot of individuals who can stop them behind that Matt so and then I mean I, I've kind of hinted at the the passing the passing game there's a lot of talent at receiver and this was not the greatest of secondaries it's a secondary that loses some talent some starters and is looking to restock so there's just not a an overly strong or dominant part of this defense for me that I think Oklahoma needs to stay away from well I, I'm going to agree and I'm going to disagree when I when I usually kind of jump in here and, and dissect some sort of an offensive game plan I'm typically that guy that says you run to pass but this this game is going to be different for me. I think this is a game where if you're Lincoln Riley, you pass to run. 
because of what you mentioned about the Tulane secondary, you've got a couple transfers that are coming in there that try to shore up a secondary that returns one guy at the cornerback position from 2020, but they were bad. They, I mean, there's no other way to say it. They were just bad at pass defense last season. And so I think you, you attack it. You know, that's the Achilles heel. You know, that's the untested point um, of this defense. They are solid at the linebacker position. You mentioned those linebackers. When when you look at attacking the two-lane defense, you kind of look at those linebackers and you say, yeah, we can take those guys, but we don't need to. What you do is you soften those linebackers up. You get them on their heels by using pass the passing game, and then you start to just – ram them with your with your running backs and so if i'm Lincoln riley the first thing i'm looking to do is pass the football and take out take shots downfield i i wouldn't be surprised to see spencer rattler drop back and just go deep on the first play of the game i really wouldn't let them know this is what we're doing whether that's a completed pass or an incompleted pass it sets the tone that says hey this is our game plan we're going to stretch you guys out and we're going to make your linebackers pause and think about what they're doing do they have to go out to the flat to cover Jeremiah Hall do they have to cover a seam route you know what's what's going to happen when because you don't want to even though you could you don't want to attack the strength of the defense head on you you could do that and Oklahoma most likely wins that battle but what you really want to do is you want to neutralize the strength of that defense and how do you do that you do it with seam routes and intermediate passing underneath and I think that's what Lincoln Riley does. So the first thing I, he, he got to do is he got to pass the ball. And then you take advantage of the running game after that. I would expect a pass-heavy first drive, maybe even a, a pass-heavy opening quarter, and then settle in to, to the running game. Now, here's, here's where I believe Eric Gray, you mentioned it earlier, where Eric Gray comes into play here because he is the better of the two running backs in terms of being a playmaker in the passing game. And so I, I'm not saying Oklahoma won't use the running back. I'm saying they're going to probably use Eric Gray, Braden Willis, Jeremiah Hall, those H-back guys as well in, in the passing game because that really freezes those linebackers to make them think. And all you need is just when you're going to a talent disparity, disparity like, like what you have here, all you need is those linebackers to pause for a second and you've got what you want. And I think Lincoln Riley is going to do that. And obviously – you play clean and, and you don't turn the ball over. Those are the other two things I would throw in there. It's an odd conversation for us to have largely because when we talk about Lincoln Riley and we talk about what makes him so special as a coach, as an offensive uh, game planner is his ability to create right. weak points within a defense. It's his ability. If you didn't think that you had some kind of a shortcoming, Lincoln Riley is going to find it and then he's going to exploit it. And when we look at what's going to transpire, we know that Oklahoma doesn't want to show too much of the playbook. They don't want to show too much of what they're going to use later on in the season. Will they put some things on film just so that opposing teams have to prepare for it? Absolutely. But when it comes, I, I'm sticking with my guns here and saying, I do believe that Oklahoma will have success. I love your approach to the game to throw the ball downfield to freeze these linebackers to utilize motion uh -huh. out of the backfield and then throw it over the top, which we've seen Lincoln Riley use so often, but it's very hard 
sitting here as the armchair quarterback, if you will, to pinpoint a weak spot of this defense or to begin to assess a defense and say, you know what, here's a, a potential shortcoming that they have. Let's go ahead and exploit it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and But I, again, I, I just, this is going to be an unpopular opinion probably in response to what you just said, but I, I don't think Lincoln Riley, I, I don't think he cares what he shows on film. I really don't. I, I think he's reached the stage with this offense and now he's got a year, a quarterback in year two. Hey, you guys look at it because I have like eight different options on this play and I showed you one of eight. So, and, I mean, I, I just feel like, it's, th- yeah, it's, it's going to change. I get what you're saying and what Lincoln Riley is going to do next week mm-hmm. is going to change. It may look, you may have the same formation, the motion and the direction of the offense may look identical, but guess what? Here's what we know, Matt, is last year we looked at Mikey Henderson as that X factor, a guy that nobody really accounted for on this offense, regardless of where he lined up. And he came in and showed exactly what he was capable of when nobody paid attention to him. Lincoln with guys like a Jeremiah Hall and Austin Stogner, a Braden Willis, because he's done it before. It's when will those moments come? Because it will look identical to something that's been run before. You're right. Yeah. So, right, so um, give me your guy, not named Spencer Rattler, uh, your guy to watch on Saturday on the offensive on the side. Offensive, of on the yes, offensive side? Offensive side. I, I think there are a couple of extremely easy options to pick. One of them for me, um, you could immediately look to the backfield and wonder what what Eric Gray is going to be capable of. But all, all of my attention is going to be consumed by Jaden Hazelwood simply because, Matt, we've said, go ahead and be disappointed since I stole him. We've said that this is the year for Jaden Hazelwood right. to, to begin to show what he's capable of. He's been on campus for what, three years Uh now and hasn't had a significant impact, unfortunately, due to injury. So when you look at a guy who has all the talent in the world, who can be a game breaker type player for you and who can do anything that you ask him to do, obviously that's Jaden Hazelwood. How will he handle being in the spotlight without a guy like Theo Weiss to back him up or potentially supplant him and give him a breather more often than not? Yeah, I was so confident that you would not pick Jaden Hazelwood that I didn't even have a backup. I really, I really Sorry. thought, I really thought you were going to go running back position or you were going to do Marvin Mims or I just <laughs> had no, I had complete confidence. You were not going to pick Jaden Hazelwood, but that's the guy for me, for all the reasons you said, this is it. This is, this is a, the opportunity for, he's as healthy as he's been. He's experienced. Uh, I mean, he's, you take the Oise out of this offense and now he's even that much more necessary in the offense you've got guys like Marvin Mins and Michael Woods that kind of stay in their shadow. Jaden Hazelwood, in my opinion, is going to be the mismatched guy on Saturday. And I expect a really big game out of him. Let's flip the sides of the ball and go defensively. And I think to me, defensive game plan, all centers around the quarterback, Michael Pratt for Tulane, you got to keep him in check. I mean, the, the, the thing that you mentioned, their, their, their propensity and the success that they've had running the football, they've got, um, they've got one guy back from a knee injury. They've got an, another guy who had a successful year as a freshman last year, but it all comes down to Michael Pratt, what he does. And, and you've got to keep him contained. You got to keep him in the pocket. And this is why I think Jalen Redmond 
gets the nod there at, at the defensive tackle position, because if you can crash with Nick Bonito and you can crash with Isaiah Thomas to contain that guy, then you can send Jalen Redmond right up the middle. And you want your middle guys to really kind of get the tackles here on the quarterback because where you want Michael Pratt to go is straight up the field. You don't want him to go left. You don't want him to go right. You want him to go forward, step up into the pocket, and hopefully he steps up into the arms of Jalen Redmond. So you got to contain the quarterback. And then from there, your your defensive backs are going to get pressed. They're, 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 this will be a trial by fire. I don't think Oklahoma is going to be stressed out by what happens offensively for them. I think Oklahoma might be stressed out by what happens defensively for them, not because they're not good defensively, but because Tulane's pretty good offensively. Now that said, they are breaking in a new offensive coordinator this year, but there's still a lot of success uh, on the field for this team last year. And there's a lot of success for this offensive coordinator. And uh, when you look at his bio, he, he was a runner up for the Art Bryles award um, when he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So you, you've got, you've got talent as far as the guy calling the plays, you got talent as a guy that's, that's pulling the trigger, so to speak with the quarterback. You got uh, the Spears kid who's coming back from the knee injury. Um, Cameron Carroll had 741 yards and 12 touchdowns as a running back last year. Now, I mean, I just, I, to me, again, it's all about what do you do with Michael Pratt? Can you, can you keep him in the pocket? And then can your guys on the edge, can they defend for four to five seconds until you chase down Michael Pratt? That's what it comes down and get turnovers. I mean, this is year, right? The speed defense, Alex Grinch has been talking turnovers and talking turnovers if it's going to happen, you think it's going to happen this year, right? You do. Um, and especially with the way that the this Oklahoma secondary finished the season. Sure, I get Trey Norwood. I get Trey Brown. Some of these individuals are gone. Brendan Radley-Hiles transferring out. There are some new faces that will be counted on for those turnovers. But I'm yeah. looking at a guy like Woody Washington who showed the capability, who showed the instincts of making a play when the ball's thrown in his direction instead of just batting it to the to the ground. Now, when yeah. I'm looking at the defense and, and what Oklahoma needs to do, I, I, I feel as though you're spot on. What I see from Tulane last year is an inability to keep players like a Jalen Redmond, like an Isaiah Thomas, like a Nick Benito, like a Caleb Kelly, whoever that might be who's asked to be the, the feature pass rusher, pass rusher on that series. Yeah, on that series of downs, um, it was going to have success and they're going to find themselves in the backfield. It's why Tulane has run the ball so often. And you've already mentioned Cameron Carroll's name. Sure, we, you mentioned the over 700 yards rushing, but it's the average that really concerns me. A guy who's averaging six yards mm -hmm. a carry, you give him the ball twice, and all of a sudden you've got a first down and you can march down the field consistently just by, by putting all of the responsibility on a running back of that caliber. So when I'm looking at what Oklahoma needs to do, I agree with you. They need to contain, but I I'm more so saying I want to see, and I want Michael Pratt to prove that he can throw the ball downfield and that he can make completions rather than attempting to stop him from throwing it. So my game plan is to go in and shut down the running, the running game, Oklahoma, one of the best rushing defenses, not just in the big 12, but in the country last year. So mm -hmm. shut down the rushing game and force Michael Pratt to step up into the pocket, force Michael Pratt to throw the ball downfield and then let the defense go to work. 
that's the key to success. <laughs> Simple for right. me. So you're you're saying keep them behind the chains for make them obvious passing situations. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's where keeping containment becomes all the more uh, important if you're this uh, defense because at those obvious passing situations, it just takes to slip one defensive lineman and you're seven or eight yards downfield. Uh, okay, same same drill. Uh, give me your defensive guy. See if you can steal it from me this time. I guess that I'll, I'll go ahead and steal it then. No, I have, my a, guy... I have a backup. I have a backup on this. Oh, one. that's good. That's good. My guy without question, uh, you've already mentioned him is Jalen Redmond. Um, and a large portion of that is based upon some preconceived ideas about this game that I don't think are going to come to fruition. Now seeing the depth chart, analyzing it, looking over it and seeing Isaiah Thomas's name up there as well. I think there will be pressure from both sides, but Jalen Redmond is the guy for me because he's that, that top tier talent on this roster. When you want to lean into a player and you want him to have an impact, Jalen Redmond not only has the size, but also has the athleticism to make things work in his favor, regardless of who's lined up against him. So when we're looking at a guy who has to have a big game for me, it's, it's unquestionably Jalen Redmond. Yeah, I think Jalen Redmond is the obvious guy there. Um, but I did have a backup, and it's Isaiah Thomas. And and really, you could throw Nick Benito in there as well as that rush linebacker because those are the guys that are going to be tasked with containing Michael Pratt and keeping him in the pocket. And so it, even though they may not register the sacks, if they can keep him put, it's going to produce sacks. And so I think you look at those two guys, and uh, and their responsibility on Saturday is, is pretty – pretty enormous when you when you think about the grand scheme of things for the success of the defensive game plan so the big 12 has 10 games this weekend starting on saturday excuse me friday night with the kansas jayhawks south dakota comes into lawrence kansas now I was talking to my sons about this just yesterday because we, we were talking about the question i asked you would the big 12 be above at or below 500 this weekend. And my oldest son, he was like, look, you know, Kansas is good for at least one non-conference win. Well, they weren't last year. The Jayhawks are 13 point favorites over South Dakota Friday night. So here's your time to shine, Rich. Give me a, give me a, a thought here. Win or loss for the Jayhawks. If it was North Dakota state, it'd be a completely different story. Seeing the name South Dakota listed there gives me a glimmer of hope, but there's so much change. There's so much newness at Kansas in Lawrence. I, man, it's, it's hard for me to pick Kansas any day of the week. Right. It's hard for me to pick them on a Saturday, Friday, a Thursday. It doesn't matter what day they're playing on. It's hard for me to pick them for a win because of what we saw transpire last season. And because knowing that they have a brand new coaching staff, brand new schematics, not a lot of experience on this roster, losing some of their top players, like a parchment as a receiver. It's, it's just the, the situation is bleak. Can Kansas get the win? Yes. But I think this one's, this one comes down to the, who's going to have the ball last in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, the, I think the Big 12 looks bad on Friday night. I'm just, I mean, in, in this Kansas, I, I've, if you followed our, our preseason rankings that we did at Heartland Watch Sports. Watch them have a blowout win. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> just to prove us wrong. Uh, and good for you, Kansas, if you do that. But uh, I just, I have no faith in Kansas. I have no confidence in Kansas. I've said it with the power rankings. I said it with the position rankings. you got to prove it to me on the field, and I'm sticking with this. Now, the line has moved a little bit. Kansas was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a 13-point favorite now. The over-under is at 55-and-a-half. I'm telling you, I would I would take for sure South Dakota and 13 points, and I think I would go with the under on that 55 and a half. But I, I think this is 0-1 for the Big 12 to start out with. And I, it's just you got to – I got no love. I mean, I got no confidence. You got to give it to me, Kansas. You got to prove it to me. Win this game, and, and we'll talk about the next one after that. Um, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoff, Stanford against Kansas State. Arlington, uh, Texas, AT&T Stadium. This is a fun game, I think. This this may be the second best game on the Big 12 slate this weekend. I think it's a really close game. The Wildcats are favored by three. I I don't like that. I, I think this is going to be an 0-2 mark for the Big 12, but um, I'm sorry. Sorry, 0-2 mark against the spread. I think Kansas State actually wins this game, but I think they win it by like, like the edge out, like a point or two uh, here. I, I don't think this is uh, where you cover the spread over under is 53. And I think, I think I would be over on this. If, if I was a guy who was uh, in a place where I could uh, make, you know, some, some participable investments on, on sports. Um, anyway, I got Kansas winning, but I think it's really, really close. I Kansas State winning, but I think it's really, really close. I, too, have Kansas State winning this one. When I look at the matchup, the difference maker for me is the return of Skylar Thompson. Really opens things up for a player like a Deuce Vaughn. We know that they're going to bring a tenacity to the field. We know that Skylar Thompson is going to showcase his running ability. And if he begins to connect with his receivers, it's going to be a long day for Stanford. I think being back in the saddle for him is a heavy dose yeah. of medicine that he's been 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 waiting for for so so long at this point and i think he relishes that moment and has a very successful outing and because of that i am going kansas state i think they cover by more than three. Oh, really okay i mean mm-hmm. we'll see uh, i do i do agree this is definitely a different wildcat football team with skylar thompson at the helm than without him but uh th- i think it's going to be a fun game unfortunately for me it's at the same time as the oklahoma tulane game but i will definitely be score watching on this one um, West Virginia against Maryland, the Mountaineers, again, three-point favorites, but this game is played in College Park. I I don't think this is going to be a good result for West Virginia. I do think this is a better Mountaineer <laughs> team than what we had last year in the Big 12, but I don't think they've got all the pieces of the puzzle together just yet. Um, I think Maryland is a team that's finding its way. And uh, I think the Terrapins, not only do they cover the three-point spread that they're 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 the underdog by, I think they win this game and over-under set at 57. And I think I would – I think that's right. That's about spot on for me. Um, so I, I may be tempted to go the under, but it's I, I would probably stay away from over-under here because I think it's spot on. When I look at West Virginia, I think they have a lot going for them defensively. It's not being able to solve their offensive problems that are reasons for concern. This is a big rivalry 
I understand that. And you never know what you're going to get. It will be a mixed bag once these two step onto the field. First game of the season, not, not quite sure how it's going to play out, but I do think I'm leaning towards being in agreement with you, Matt, and that Maryland edges out West Virginia in this game and takes that win. And that pains me. Yeah, I know. I know. We both got uh, family there. So uh, Northern Iowa at Iowa, um, you know, the Cyclones dropped their season opener last year. More to come on that here in a minute. 2.30 kickoff, excuse me, 3.30 kickoff um, here in uh, in the heartland. But uh, I, I don't think there's a spread. I, I didn't see a spread on this game, but undoubtedly this is a game Iowa State wins. They, they don't trip just coming out the gate this year. Their highest ever preseason ranking at number seven, no way that they, they stumble out of the gate here. Right, Rich? Too much focus, too much talent. Iowa State wins this one hands down. I completely agree. No way they stumble. So here's, uh, we're, we're going to skip, uh, nah, let's just, yeah, let's skip over just a, a couple and then we'll come back to the fun games. Missouri State, Oklahoma State, again, and at no point spread here that I could come across, but uh, we saw this Missouri State team in Norman last September. They are better than what they brought to Norman. They had a good spring season, but uh, again, with all the questions that Oklahoma state has going into the season, I don't think we really see a lot of answers there, but I do think we see a comfortable Oklahoma state win. Concur hundred percent Baylor, Texas state, uh, Baylor's Baylor's they've got to win this game, right? I don't know that Baylor's going to be as bad as we think they're going to be, but Texas state is by far a, a less superior team than Baylor is there's going to be a talent discrepancy simply because of power five conference name being attached to the Baylor bears. So I I'm giving the Baylor bears the win here. I, I agree with you, but there is a point spread on this game. It's 14 and over under 53. First of all, take the, take the over. And secondly, I would take, I would take Texas state getting 14 points here. Because I think Baylor wins, but I think Texas State makes this thing ugly. And I don't think there's a lot of ease in Waco, Texas after this win. You, this is a game where I think Baylor walks off the field feeling like they lost, even though they won. Now, that said, they're probably going to do like a 55-2 to two win or something like that. Um, okay, last, uh, last cushiony game, probably the worst game in the Big 12 this weekend. Uh, Duquesne at TCU in Fort Worth. Um, no point spread on this game, but look, if, if TCU loses this game, fire Gary Patterson. No, never. <laughs> his, his name will be on something at the university. They've already got a statue ready. Hey, by the way, no, there you go. Uh, the cheapest ticket in the big 12 this weekend is this game right here. $2 a ticket. I'm, if you want to go see some college football, just drive to Fort Worth. A $2 ticket gets you in. I'm just going to give you props for remembering how to pronounce the name of Duquesne. Oh, thanks, man. It's, it's almost like I, I cover college sports. Um, okay. Yeah, right, Matt. When we did basketball, I remember you asking me how that was pronounced and oh, looking did I like really? a total fool. I didn't when, do it on a podcast, did I? I, I you may have. Oh, okay. All I remember is when you look at the name Duquesne, it does not look like no, it, it says that it at does, all. It, not, not and at if all. you try to sound it out phonetically, you're way off. Just Just go ahead and go home. Okay, so 6 o'clock kickoff in Houston, NRG Stadium, Texas Tech against the Houston Cougars. The Red Raiders are one-and-a-half-point favorite over under here, 64-and-a-half. And, a half. and um, I think I would take the under here on this game, 
but absolutely, I think Texas Tech uh, loses a close game to the Houston Cougars. I have zero confidence in Matt Wells right now because I don't think this team, I think this team is going to regress from what we saw last year. And what we saw last year wasn't good. I can't disagree on the Matt Wells comment, but I do feel as though Texas Tech has decent linebackers and one heck of a running back in Sir Roderick Thompson. I think they put up a challenge. I, I don't know, um, obviously, who's going to win this one because the game hasn't been played, but I, I, it's hard for me to pick against Texas Tech. I just think you're going to be right in the end. Houston wins it. All right, second best game in the Big 12. By the way, that, that Houston Texas, uh, the, the Houston-Texas Tech game is a runner-up because I think it's going to be a fun game to watch as well, and I'm glad it's a night game. I, I've said this before about the 11 a.m. kickoffs. You get to go to the game. You get to do whatever you got to do, and then you get home in time to watch the night slate of games, and uh, so I'm glad that's a 6 o'clock kickoff. But the second best game in the Big 12 this weekend, in my opinion, number 23, Louisiana, at number 21, Texas. Rich, I've got a little bit of a question for you. I meant to ask you this earlier in the podcast and just kind of play it out, but I'm just going to ask you, and then I'll give you the answer. Do you know how far back that you have to go with Texas head football coaches to find a win in their very first game against a ranked opponent? I don't. 1956. Yeah, you're close. You got to go all the way back to Fred Akers. He's the last Texas football coach to win his very first ever game against a ranked opponent for uh, with the Texas Longhorns. And so that said, I mean, it's about to get very real, very fast for Sarkeesian. And I, I mean, you look at everything with this, the Longhorns are a nine-point favorite. I don't think they should be a nine-point favorite. I think their name gets them the nine points. Um, Louisiana is the team that went in last year to Ames, Iowa, and upset the second-best team in the Big 12 on the road to start the 2020 season. This is a team that scored 37, almost 38 points, 37.8 points per game on the road last year. Um, Texas Texas scored 30.8 at home. So when you just look at those averages – Louisiana is a touchdown better and Texas is breaking in a new quarterback and they don't really know for sure. They're going with the, with the card kid um, who is a true freshman. Casey Thompson, Oklahoma product is going to play in this game. But when you got two quarterbacks, it means you haven't decided on one quarterback. I just, I don't see this being an explosive debut for Texas. I certainly don't see them covering a nine point spread against a ranked team at home. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think Louisiana upsets, and this could be the Longhorn hatred in me. I think Louisiana, either they either upset Texas or they push them to the brink where the Longhorns have to kick like a field goal or something at the very end to come out with the win. No way. If I'm betting this weekend, I'm taking Louisiana on those nine points. Spoiler alert, I am not. Uh-oh, what Texas has, Matt, that you haven't even mentioned is Bijan Robinson in the backfield, who is a Heisman caliber running back. Will he be considered for the Heisman? That has yet to be seen, but does he have that type of talent? Absolutely. And I think this will be a short game because Texas is going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball some more, and then they're going to run it again. And they're going to limit ULL and the Raging Cajuns 
offensive possessions. It's really the difference maker for me combined with the fact that there is a talent discrepancy here, regardless of the rankings. And when we get into the fourth quarter, we're going to see that talent start to have an edge and we're going to see the depth start to have an edge. It doesn't matter how many quarterbacks you play. I'm not buying into the hype of a 10 and one season. I'm not buying in to the hype of a win over Iowa state on the road to start the 2020 season. This is a, a brand new day. And I okay. think Texas, Texas is out to prove something with Steve Sarkeesian. They have to be, whether they do that or not, we'll see. But in they- the, the season opener at home, I'm giving them at least a three-point win, but I think they score a touchdown on top of that to win by 10 points. So not not only are you saying Texas wins, you're saying Texas wins and covers the spread. They better. They're one of my Friday locks. Oh, good. All right. Well, (laughs) hey, you you went two and one last week on Friday locks. All right, here we go. Final game, Oklahoma-Tulane kicks off the Saturday slate, 11 a.m. kickoff, Memorial Stadium. The Sooners will be the visiting team. That makes a little difference here. The over-under in this game is 69 points. Oklahoma, 31-and-a-half-point favorites. They've actually gained a point or half a point over the last couple of days. Uh, they went from a 31 to 31-and-a-half. I, I, think, I think the over-under and the 69 is probably a bit ambitious I also think the 31 and a half is a bit ambitious. Oklahoma wins this game, but I don't think they cover our 30. I don't think they win it by 32 points is what I'm saying. I feel like you're going to disagree with me here. I am. Um, and, and that was very evident that you and I were going to be on opposite sides of the equation when we were discussing the offensive keys and defensive keys to this game. I still think that Tulane, with all the distractions, is going to struggle I think that Oklahoma is going to be able to attack the defense in any way, shape, or form that they want to, and vice versa. I think they're going to be able to attack the offense basically in any way that they want to as well. So when I see Oklahoma taking the field with the offensive firepower, with the big play capabilities, I think they score in bunches up front and then ride that cushion to the end of the game. Well, the problem is, you know, again, I talked about Tulane and earlier in the podcast, uh, they're just... I think they're really good offensively. I think you have some garbage town, garbage time opportunities here. I, I'm going to give you a, a final score prediction here as we close out the podcast. I think this is a somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 to 24. Um, it's a comfortable win. It's probably not an impressive win when you think about it being a 31 point, 31 and a half point favorite. But I do think Oklahoma wins, and I think they have something to build on here. But just I, I, I maybe I'm giving Tulane too much respect. Okay, and that could be the case. But uh, I, I just, I don't think they, I don't think Oklahoma covers here. Give me your score prediction. I am actually going with 63 to 17. And I believe that Oklahoma this year is certainly going for style points. They have no ties future-wise to the Big 12. So there's no issues with upsetting some people along the way to an exit. But if Oklahoma is looking at getting to the college football playoff and they want to be one of the top two seeds, I think it is going to take some style points this year. They already are a top two seed. You just got to go undefeated. They're okay. number two in the country. I'm just, I'm just throwing that but out there. People get leapfrogged all the time. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. 11 a.m. kickoff for the Sooners on Saturday morning. And then um, we'll be back Sunday and we'll give you our thoughts uh, post game. And uh, lead you into game two later on uh, next week. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Enjoy your college football. 
Boomer Sooner. <laughs>